All right. <laughs> Technology is wonderful when it works. <clears throat> and and maybe, just maybe, we had to stop and restart the live stream because God wanted somebody who's fixing to jump on Facebook to get to hear this word. That's where we're going to go. And uh, the, this entire message uh, was God working on me this week about gaining a little more perspective. And... And sometimes that's really hard to do in the middle of stuff. You know, when you're, when you're going through hard times or, or friends are going through hard times, it's really hard to have good perspective about it. And, and hopefully by the end of the message this morning, we'll, we'll begin to maybe have a, a paradigm shift in our mindset about things before we go through them and while we're going through them. And, and we're going to look at one of my favorite Old Testament characters to study his life and and we're not going to go through the whole thing because uh, you would have to read Genesis 37 through 46 and that was me being very kind and cutting it down you would actually have to go a little farther to finish the story of uh, a very powerful character in the Bible by the name of Joseph and and there, there's all kinds of people that like to try and tell a story. Uh, DreamWorks cartoon of it was like, yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know that anyone's ever going to quite go get it right because there, there's so much detail to his life. It would be at least a four or five hour movie. And, and I don't know too many people that want to sit through a four or five hour movie. I would, but I'm a nerd. So... Uh, Genesis 37, verse 4. We're, we're going to pick up, we're going to jump right in. I'm going to narrate as much of the story as I can. Joseph was uh, the second youngest of Jacob's sons. Jacob, who would be renamed Israel after he wrestled with God and overcame. So understand I freely slide back and forth between Jacob and Israel and, and that's the Old Testament Bible scholar nerd in me, so forgive me for that. But uh, Joseph is one of Jacob's sons who will not inherit uh, land as a tribe in Israel, which that's a whole other story, but that's okay. Uh, and he was one of the favorites because the, the Bible describes it as because he was a son born to Israel in his old age, he loved him more than his brothers. And any parent in here that has multiple kids, if you say you don't have a favorite kid, I will look you square in the eye and call you a liar. Because it, it's biblical. And, and God has a favorite kid too. Go look in the mirror and you'll see who he is. Or she because God favored you above Jesus because he sacrificed Jesus on the cross for you. There's the reality. Some people don't like that, and that's okay. But, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Okay, we're all going to step into the shoes of Joseph right where we're at in our life because... As Christians, sometimes we walk around with, rightfully so, with an attitude that, hey, God loves me. 
Do you know that God loves me? Do you know how annoying it is if you're the favorite child and you walk around talking about how much mom and dad love you? Okay, mom and dads, I'll let you in on a little clue. That starts a lot of fights with your kids and it's okay. I was the favorite child, still am. My brother and sister don't like that, but I'm the favorite. And I hardly ever show up, hardly ever come around. And when I do, all the right food gets fixed, Maddie. Just in case you're wondering, here's a clue. They fix whatever you want. It's a terrible burden, be in the middle. It really is. You know, you're the favorite and you're also the outcast. So it's, anyways, we won't go into that. That's a lot of therapy for Maddie and I today. But uh, it's something where the world at large looks at Christians with this mindset of they think they're better than everybody. We don't think we're better than everybody. We just know that we're forgiven and we know that this world is not our home. And if this isn't the best that we're going to get, we don't have a lot of heavy ties to it. And the world doesn't understand that. And we live in a world full of people who will hate you simply because God loves you and they don't understand his love. They'll hate you for it. And we're getting to see that a little more publicly nowadays. And that's... That's okay. The Bible said that's going to happen. So we'll just chill out. We'll, we'll keep being who we are. Genesis 37, 23, and, and 24. So when Joseph came to his brothers, and to fill you in on the rest of the story, Paul Harvey style, Joseph had already went and gave his father a report of how his older brothers were not doing a good job taking care of the herds. So dad sends him back out there to check on them again and to send them a message that, hey, you're being watched. Uh, and then they didn't take kindly to it. So the, this is the account. Joseph came to his brothers and they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him in a pit. And the pit was empty and there was no water in it. I have a little brother that was sent to check on me multiple times. If we'd have had a pit anywhere in Laverne, Oklahoma, that I could have thrown my brother in, there are still days. He's not little anymore, but I would throw him in a pit because he's not quick enough to come fix my air conditioner when I'm on the list. <laughs> or he expects me just to let him talk me through it, you know, where it's fix it yourself. Here's how you do it. Okay, no, you know, there, there's all kinds of things. He would throw me in a pit too, it's okay. He, he's had me drive hay rakes for him holding a flashlight for headlights and telling me over and over, don't hit my irrigation risers. I don't know where your risers are, that's not my field. You put me out here with a flashlight. A mag light doesn't throw a huge beam where I can see the irrigation, so I'm sitting here scanning, driving all kinds of, look like a drunk man driving the rakes and then he gives me a hard time about not raking straight rows. I've got a degree in education. I don't have, I don't have any real life experience driving tractors. Anyways, we'll quit chasing sidebars. We live in a world full of people. Oops, that was the other one. As a Christian, you'll feel thrown away by the people who are supposed to love you. This one hurts, okay? The, the enemy's very good at what he does. There will be times he'll convince you that even the church is full of people who are supposed to love you that are judging you and casting you aside. 
and I wish that weren't true, but the devil's really good at what he does. He'll convince you that, that the church is against you, that your pastor is against you, that, that anyone who's supposed to love you is just throwing you away in a pit. And you'll find yourself where you feel stuck in, in a pit and you'll feel this spiritual dryness like, man, God doesn't even hear the prayers that I pray. I pray prayers and they don't even make it to the ceiling, let alone to the, the threshold of heaven. And, and you just feel this spiritual dryness. You're going to go through those seasons. And man, I, I, I'm overly impressed with Joseph because he's going through and experiencing this right now in this moment of the story as a 17-year-old. 17 years old. I can't imagine growing up with that kind of trauma in my life where you go from being the favorite kid to being thrown in a pit and not knowing what's coming next because your brothers were mad enough to kill you in a day and age where brothers killed little brothers all the time. Okay? Cain and Abel was not an exception. It was kind of the rule in those days. You know, brothers were seen as a threat to your inheritance, so accidents happen along the way. I've studied a lot of history, and it's kind of bent me in ways that maybe it shouldn't, but it makes sense to me that Joseph in this moment would be terrified. The Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver and they took Joseph to Egypt. Okay? That, there's so much history that I could unpack there. We don't have time for that. But, man, it, you know, the, the characters that show up in this, the Midianite traders that will also, you know, they're going to take him out and they're going to sell him to the Ishmaelites. And, and for those of you who need the quick reference there, the descendants of Abraham, you have Isaac, and who would come out of Isaac would be the Hebrews, the chosen people of God, and another nation because God promised Moses nations would come out of him. The Arab nation, the Ishmaelites, these are distant cousins that are going to take him and sell him into slavery. It's just mind-blowing cool history and again this is a 17 year old boy uh, he was a man in those days but i'm gonna call him a boy for our sake 17 year old boy getting all this trauma and it's kind of interesting that it's all done in the hands of family and future family but midianites will come in later but many times in life you're gonna feel sold out you're going to feel like, you know, God, you've called me to walk this path and, and I feel like I'm absolutely, I've sold out everything I can for you and now I feel sold out because I'm not seeing all the blessings that, that somehow I thought were going to come along with this obedience. And, and you feel stuck in a cycle sometimes that feels like slavery. Any, anybody ever get up and think, you know, hey, I am... I got to go to work today. I got to go to work today. I'm working, you know, the first two weeks of the month, I'm working for the government. 
I'm there. I'll, I'll be real. I, I pay enough in taxes. It's like I'm tired of tired of working for the man. But now Facebook's going to shut me down again. <laughs> but you you get tired of that I'm working for him, and then you know, gotta go back, gotta go back, gotta go back, gotta go back, and you feel stuck in this cycle where it's get up, do your nine to five, and, and come back and try and live your life, and, and it almost feels like slavery even though you can always go get another job. I know people tell me that every time, you know, every time I see somebody complain about their job, I'm like, then go get a different one. Go find something that, you know, and you're going to find about three years into it, you feel stuck. That's the reality of it. But you're not stuck, and we'll get there here in a minute. Even in slavery, God had His hand on Joseph. And in Genesis 39.3, his master saw that the Lord was with him. Man, I want that to be a testimony in my life. That, that whatever arena that I'm in, in work or, or business, that, that the people that I'm working for and working with see that the Lord was with me. What a, what a testimony. And this is, you know, a kid that's by this point could be 18, 19 at the most. And for somebody to look into the life of a young man and say the Lord's with him. What a testimony. And that's a freebie. That's not even on the notes. But the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Anybody ever have those days where everything goes your way? Man, those are good. Those times are good. But do they last a long time? No. And, And Joseph's won't last a long time either because he runs into a desperate housewife. Um... In Genesis 39, 6 through 8, so he left, talking about Potiphar, Joseph's boss. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Okay? Don't have to worry about anything about what, other than what I'm going to eat today. Okay, In our, our household, in our, our marriage, since day one, we have called that standard argument number one. What are we going to eat? If anyone has a way to solve that, you're going to cure the biggest part of, of struggle in, in our marriage is where are we going to eat? Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. He was a good-looking dude. And after a time, his master's wife, the desperate housewife, cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. Joseph recognized that he was given duty and, and given opportunity. And he didn't allow that opportunity to overreach his authority. And, and he understood that. And in later verses, he said, how could I sin against God? If I do this with you, I not only sin against my master, but I sin against my God, and I'm not going to do that. But the desperate housewife will not take no for an answer. So sometimes you're going to do the right thing and still get nothing but trouble. Man, this is encouraging me. I just really want to walk out the door this morning and raise the banner high that I can do all the right things. I can stand up to temptation, and I'm still going to run into nothing but trouble. Whew. That's, that's not fun preaching. 
Any, anybody fired up saying, yep, let's just dismiss right there. Let's go and, and have a good Sunday. No, because that's not where the story ends for Joseph and it's sure not where it ends for us. Jesus told his disciples, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He didn't say you get out of jail free card. He said, in the middle of it, don't lose heart. I've overcome it and you're not going to be stuck there. And Joseph, if we follow the story, Potiphar throws him into prison. And this is where I have a deep respect for Potiphar because I know enough about Egyptian culture and religion that Potiphar could have had Joseph just executed on the spot. He had that kind of authority. Could have just executed him, had him beheaded or a bunch of other methods of execution we won't go into for the weak stomached among us. But the Egyptians knew how to get you, get you killed. They, they were good at it. And instead of that, he throws Joseph in prison because I think Potiphar knew what his wife was. I think he did. And, and my hat's off to Potiphar because it never says that he, he got rid of his wife or rebuked his wife or, you know, it doesn't say that we don't get a lot of the rest of their story. But I'd like to think when Joseph comes to power that... Potiphar is one of the first people that makes his way to visit. And I like to believe that. I don't have any fact to back it up. And maybe they couldn't even be in the same circle because Joseph's going to end up here to Potiphar's authority. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. Again, this young man is put into a position of authority because while every step of the way, while he was being thrown in the pit, brothers recognized there was something different about him. When he was sold into slavery, Potiphar recognized there was something different about him. The Lord was with him. He gets thrown in prison. The head of the prison recognizes there's something different about him. Man, that's another free sermon right off to the side. I'm going to pocket that baby for later. That when you're sold out and serving Jesus, there's something different about you. And when there's something different about you, people take notice. There's the freebie. You go write the sermon, Scott. God will use you and the gifts He has given you right where you are. You don't have to keep looking for a place to use your gifts. And I want you to understand, I'm looking at a room full of people who are gifted and talented in ways that God equipped them. And, and take this as lovingly as I can say it, some of you are sitting on your gift instead of letting it go and run freely through not only our church, but through our community in the way that God intended it to. To use your gifting to make a pathway for him to bless people and put the gospel into their life through your gift and, and believe me i'm going to look at the film later i'm going to be pointing at myself because i have gifting and talenting that has to be released into the community before god's going to use it for his glory the story rolls on two two guys get tossed into prison with joseph the cupbearer and the baker. Okay. 
the cupbearer is a position in, in the ancient world that his job was to sample all of the food of royalty to make sure it was not poison. What a great gig. You get to eat a lot of really, really good food until it's not. It just takes one. <laughs> we need a new cupbearer. <laughs> but the, the other guy in the story was the baker, and, and, and they both had dreams. And they were talking about it, and Joseph hears, and he, he comes to them, and he says, God's given me this great gift that I can tell you what your dreams mean. And they begged him to tell them, and, and he tells the cupbearer that, hey, you're going to be restored in a few days' time. And he tells the baker, I'm sorry to tell you, but in a few days' time, you're going to be executed. And everything he said came to pass. And in verse 40, or chapter 40, verse 23, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Ouch. I got to deliver some of the best news of your life to you, and you don't even remember who I am when you get free out of prison. Whew. You'll go through seasons of being forgotten by the people you help the most. This is a fact in your walk as a Christian. You'll be forgotten for seasons of time by the people you help the most. And that hurts. That, that's, and, and I'll tell you, it hurts being on the other side of that too. When suddenly you wake up one day and remember that somebody stepped into your life in a bad time and spoke life to you. And you never really thanked them that you went on and you forgot. I'm telling you, both sides of that coin hurt. In Genesis 41:14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph because that time didn't last forever. Eventually, Pharaoh started having bad dreams and he had called everyone in his court to him. He'd called everyone and he was even paying foreigners to come and to try and fix things for him. And suddenly the cupbearer remembers, hey, there's a guy right here in the local prison that did that for me. Man. Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. I'll tell you, sometimes it feels like you're stuck. You're just stuck. You're stuck and you're forgotten. And then that season can change really quickly because your circumstances can change quicker than you think. A lot of people who are, are riding a, a spiritual, emotional, financial, physical, whatever high, it can change in a hurry. You, you can feel as, as strong as an ox one day in a simple diagnosis from a doctor can change how you feel the next. You can feel young, strong, and handsome, and sneeze and throw your back out. <laughs> Guilty! <laughs> you can... You can be, be struggling and then all of a sudden a well that hadn't produced 
oil or natural gas in, in five years, you get a check from that company you didn't know existed. I'll just tell you, your circumstances can change quicker than you think. You can be in the pit one day and standing before the, the ruler of a country the next. It's all in God's timing. And Pharaoh, the highest ranking authority in Egypt, recognized the gifting that God had put into Joseph. And I want you to understand, this has been over the period of about 20 years at this point. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot and they called out before him, Bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. This is a guy who seven years before was in a pit and a prison and appears before the Pharaoh. And after seven years of helping organize and get ready for a famine, Pharaoh is going to take off his ring. The only people who got to wear Pharaoh's ring in that day, Pharaoh or his son. You want to talk about something powerful? Go back to the New Testament, New Testament people who don't dive in the Old Testament like I do. New Testament people, go back to the, the, the story of the prodigal son. What's one of the first things the father puts on the hand of the son? He takes off his ring and he puts it on his finger. That, that's a free connect from one side to the other. I don't want to try and go there because I'll, I'll get stuck. And, and I'll get really emotional because it's identity. And man, I... I really hope God cuts me loose to preach another series on identity. It's oh, powerful. God will put you places only He could prepare you for. God, say that again. God will put you places that only He could prepare you for. See, anything in Joseph's history, anything in his history really of his own doing, get him ready to be second in command over all of Egypt. Going and being this tattletale snitch for his daddy. Does that really prepare him to be second in command? No. Being thrown in a pit. Might have humbled him out a little bit, but I, I don't know that that's necessarily training for second in command of Egypt. But from then on, God kept putting him in places. And he had to go through the abandonment by his family. He had to go through the pit. He had to go through a time of working at a job and then getting fired in the most extreme way and getting sent to prison. And then he got that job in prison and he worked there faithfully even though he was forgotten. And over and over through his life, God was putting him in places to prepare him for what came next. How many of you would willingly choose to be thrown in a pit and sold into slavery? That's not the process I want to go through. And yet God did it. How many of you want to get you know, accused of something by a desperate housewife? 
In our broken society, that's probably a badge of honor. But in, in the reality of life, I don't want that stain on my name. And I sure don't want to go to prison for it. And then the people you help the most forget you until God's timing lines up and puts you before the Pharaoh. Genesis 45.1, and I'll try to wrap this up pretty quickly. Joseph provides for his brothers and his family. Joseph could not control himself anymore. And, and you go read the account of when they first show up and how Joseph, being true to who his father Jacob was, he tricks and deceives his brothers a little bit. And just to test them is how the Bible puts it. To see if they've grown up and matured past the, the foolishness of their youth. And he goes through this whole process of actually getting to keep one of them as a captive and sends everybody else back because he wants them to bring his baby brother to, to prove their loyalty. And, I mean, there, there's some hard stuff in there. And it's not Joseph being vindictive at all. He's, he's not seen baby Benjamin since he was a baby. And he knows that, that Jacob would not ever leave and come to Egypt unless there was a real threat that he would lose Benjamin. And, and Joseph reveals himself and, and he kicks everyone out of the room that's Egyptian and he tells his brothers, this is, this is me. And, and he weeps so loudly that everyone outside was concerned because he'd kicked them all out of the room. And he, and he reveals to his brothers that That I'm Joseph. And he wants to know, is my father still alive? But his brothers couldn't answer because they were a little nervous and rightfully so. This is second in command of all Egypt. This dude just has to snap his fingers the right way and we're all dead. And Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother Joseph that you sold into Egypt. He didn't separate what they had done from his identity. He said, I'm your brother Joseph, and this is what you did. But he goes on to tell them, what you intended for evil, God has used for good. God will mature you to being able to love and forgive like He does. Now, if, if they... if he'd have gone straight from being sold into pit to second in command of Egypt. You know what had happened to those brothers? They're dead. Because maturity had to happen. Uh, I told this to a group of students. I said, the, the real maturity to be able to forgive somebody takes about 20 years. It'll take you about 20 years to mature to the point where you can, you can associate them and the trauma with your identity and forgive them. And I have biblical proof of that. It's right there. But it, it goes on to, to tell us that they, they go back to tell their father. And, and they, they get there, I'm guessing, ahead of the caravan that's sent. And, and they tell Jacob that Joseph is alive. And, and they told him, Joseph is still alive and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph's heart became numb. 
because he had grieved over this child, over this 17-year-old. And we're talking 20 years ago, he, he started to try and make peace with the loss of a child. I'm pretty sure my heart would go numb too. For he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, and let me tell you how cool it is that a parent can understand the way their child talks. You know, when, when our, our babies babble at other people, we understand what they're saying and other people don't. That doesn't go away with time. If my parents were to hear that I said something, they would know immediately whether I said it or not by how it's phrased. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons, Joseph sent wagons at the command of Pharaoh. If you go back to the story, Pharaoh commands Joseph to go bring his family. He says, I'll send wagons. They don't have to bring any of their possessions for the best of Egypt belongs to them. And there's a whole lot of stuff. But when he saw the wagons, the spirit of his father Jacob revived. Sometimes, church, we have to see the wagons. And God understands that. A lot of times we beat ourselves up over not having enough faith because we, we're really expecting to see God do something. God understands that. Never is Jacob criticized here in Scripture for not believing till he sees the wagons. In the middle of life, it can be hard to have perspective. But how different does life hit if we see life as God's process and begin to actively accept our role in that process? You're not thrown away in a pit. You're being held aside for something better. You're not sold into anything but you're bought with a price resistance to temptation can cost you in the short term I'll just tell you it'll cost you friendships it'll break relationships when you stand up to temptation But you do it and trust that you're still on the path that God has for you. You're never forgotten. God is holding you right where He wants you before the next thing. You're not stuck. You're held. And it's okay to struggle with believing. Because sometimes we have to see the wagons. And I don't know what your wagons look like. Sometimes the wagons may be a clean bill of health from the doctor. Sometimes the wagons may be a, a little bit more black in the ledger. Sometimes the wagons may be your kid comes in and goes to church with you on Sunday morning. It's okay to struggle with believing. And Isaiah 43.13 says, Yes, from the ancient of days, I am He. 
No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? The thought that I just absolutely could not get away from this week is you're not stuck. You're held. In every season of your life, you are held right where He wants you in the palm of His hand. And if you go and and you look at what, what Paul said in, in the New Testament, he said that there's nothing, there's nothing physical or spiritual or emotional in this life that can separate you from the love of God. And God just told us in Isaiah that when I put my hand on it, no one can take it off. So how's life changed when we go from the perspective of feeling stuck to recognizing we're being held? Again, that's why we folded our hands in prayer today. Every time you pray, I hope you take just a moment to remember you're being held. You're not stuck. And God has a plan and a process and that plan and that process involves standing before the King of Kings one day. And Him saying to you, enter into the joy of your Lord. Heavenly Father, thank You for today. 